Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All right, let's get into the word. I want you to go to Mark chapter four. I'm doing something, I started last week, this week, next week, that I've never done in the 20 years of pastoring. I am taking a message that I've been preaching on Wednesday nights because my wife and I agreed and I just felt led by the Holy Ghost that this is a message that needs to get to as many people in our congregation as possible. So I'm taking the same messages, I'm kind of tweaking them a little bit for the weekend because I believe that you, if this is your church, if you're a member of the body of Christ, we need to learn how to operate in faith now more than ever. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world is spinning out of control. Okay, and it seems like our country's taking the lead in this whole thing, okay? Uh, I, I'm not a gloom and doom type person, but I will say this. Do not have an expectation that society in general is gonna get better, okay? The Bible teaches us that it just goes downhill from this point until Jesus returns. But that does not mean that the church has to be caught in that. It does not mean that the church has to suffer from this. In fact, it's the church that's been empowered by the Lord Jesus Christ to use our faith in order to lift the burdens in people's lives, in order to stop some of the things that the devil wants to do on this earth, in order to train others to resist the enemy. And it's good, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because the church gets involved. Not because of some political group, but because the church gets involved and because the church begins to pray. And when that church prays, that church prays in faith. The church doesn't pray bellyaching prayers. The church prays faith. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. What did he say? Let, come on, say, say, what did he say? Let us cross over to the other side. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus says you're going to the other side, where are you going? Yes. To the other side. And you can bank on that. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, told him about the disciples just as he was, and other boats were there with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the, waters, the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That, that, that is one question you don't want to ask Jesus. You never ask that question of God. Don't you care about me? How much more is he going to show you how much he cares about us? When he's taken the one son, his only son, get, just sacrificed him on a cross so that you and I, when we receive that gift by faith, don't have to go to hell with the rest of the world. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Really, in the literal language, he said, shut up. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Verse 40, this is where I want us to get, and this is what I want you to concentrate on and focus for today. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? 
Now, some of us just reading this without reading it in context and without reading the rest of the Gospels and without reading everything that took place up until this point, some of us would say, well, you know, Jesus, that's kind of unreasonable. After all, this is a big storm. Uh, the winds are blowing. The waves are crashing into the boat. I mean, I would feel the same way. However, what we don't take into consideration is the disciples at this point had already seen so many notable miracles. They had already seen him just work things and just contrary to nature, just work the impossible. So, so here's my point. This is what I want to launch from today. Jesus had an expectation that they had enough faith to take care of the situation themselves. Do you think if he was not aware, if he did not have this type of a belief, if he was not confident that they could have took, took care of this, would he have gone to sleep? Of course not. Of course not. He believed that they had the faith that it would take to take care of this situation. He expected them even further to use their faith. To use their faith to do what? To calm the storm to stop from bringing the damage that it was trying to bring, to, to continue to travel on, because remember, he said to them, we're going where? To the other side. He expected them to use the faith that they had. And let me just tell you this, he expects us to use the faith that we have. I said this last weekend. When I first became a Christian, there was such a stronger emphasis on faith and on the fact that God deposited within us faith. Now the faith that he deposited in us to begin with, that each one of us receives the same measure, is enough faith for you to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, based on my faith in what God has said about Jesus, I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord over my life. I invite him to come into my life. I invite his Holy Spirit to come and live inside me. And based on that, bam, we go from going to hell to spend an eternity with God. Not because you're such a good person, not because you prayed for six hours, not because you gave all your money to the church, not because you go to church every time the doors are open, but because you came to a conclusion in your heart that what God said about Jesus was true. And you were willing to stake your eternity on the fact of what God said. Once you've exhibited that faith, and once you operate in that kind of faith, everything after that should be easy. But I don't know what it is about us. We, we come into this initial experience of being born again, like, like when you got married. When, you get, when, when, a person, when, two, when a couple gets married, truthfully, we're going to be married 40 years at the, in, a few, in a few weeks. We didn't know what the heck we were doing when we got married. We didn't know what we were saying. In fact, just at the moment when it was ready for us to say I do, this thunderbolt, just, just, this lightning strike takes place right outside the church in the middle of the street. And it was like, oh man, over those first few years that were tough, I thought to myself, maybe this was the wrong thing to do here. <laughs> but when you say I do, you don't really know what the heck you're doing. And we were two kids at that point in time. 
And it's the same thing when you get born again. When you say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. We're responding because our heart has become convinced that he is the Son of God. That when he died on the cross, it wasn't that the Romans killed him, it wasn't that the Jews killed him, it was that he allowed himself to be sacrificed so that his blood could cleanse us and bring us into a position of right standing with God the Father. And so the most spectacular miracle that can take place in the life of a human being happens like this. And then after that, we start thinking, oh wow, it's gonna really be tough to believe God for a good job. It's gonna really be tough to believe God for, for a house. It's really gonna be tough to believe God for good health. You know, the doctors are saying this, and you know, the hospital gave me this report, and boy, this is gonna be tough. Why do we have this perspective? that going from darkness to light was so easy. Yet now, living in faith and living by faith, it's an option. And a lot of that has come out in the church world in the past decade or so. Well, you know, you have some people that, you know, they really put an emphasis on faith and everybody else is just floating like jellyfish. No, God says over and over again throughout the word, my just ones shall live by faith. And I'm teaching this because I believe that faith needs to be stirred up in the body of Christ. And mark my words, I'm seeing it already. My wife said to me, last week she said to me, have you been watching so-and-so on television? I said, you know I don't do that. I don't want to be influenced by other people. And she said, well, this guy's teaching the same stuff you're teaching. I said, because it's the same Holy Ghost. You're going to see a lot more faith starting to be taught again. You're going to hear it a lot more. You're going to hear some of the major ministries in this nation and throughout the world start talking about faith again, okay? Because God is getting the church ready for what possibly could be some tough times. We know that the world is in a shambles. And the answer for the world is not in the world. The answer for the world is in the word of God. Amen. It's in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen? So, anything, now this is what I want you to understand here. And this is, this is the, I want this to be the rock solid foundation in our belief system as it pertains to faith. And here it is. That faith has been given to us by a merciful God. The ability to operate in faith, the supernatural force of faith has been given to man in order to overcome the adversities of the devil that have come into this life through sin. If you don't understand that point, then you will think, well, I guess I could operate in faith, but then I guess, you know, whatever God wants, and oh man, when I hear somebody say something like that, I want to just go. God has already revealed to us his desire for mankind. Jesus said it very, very simply, very concise, very easy to understand. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. I have come that day, speaking about us, would have life and have it how? Abundantly. So there's the will of God. So anything that, is not, that does not measure up to abundant life cannot come from God. Anything that causes damage, anything that causes loss, anything that causes lack, anything that causes uh, hurt, anything that causes pain, anything that is taking something away from you comes from the kingdom of darkness and has been allowed to come into this world because of sin. 
It is not God teaching you a lesson. It is not God getting you back. It is not God payback. It is a result of sin coming into this world. Because the world that you and I live in, the society that we live in, none of it resembles anything of God's original plan. If you want to know what God's original plan was, go to the Garden of Eden. And I don't mean that we're all supposed to walk around naked. What I mean is this that everything that God planned for man to experience, he provided for in that garden. But here's, you see, sometimes you understand things better by what you don't see than what you do see. And what we don't see in the garden is this. We don't see sickness. We don't see death. We don't see poverty. We don't see depression. We don't see fear. None of those become an issue until after sin comes into the human experience. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? So if you don't get this down on the inside, deep on the inside, to understand this, that God as an act of love gave mankind the ability to operate in faith because it is faith that's gonna overcome the adversity of the enemy. It is faith that is gonna overthrow the kingdom of darkness in your life. It is faith that is gonna change and transform you. It is your ability and your choice to choose what God says over all the other natural experiences. Yesterday, one of our church members posted something on Facebook, it was awesome. It said, faith is the bridge that connects God to your circumstance. Now, who's, who's the bridge operator there? It's not God, it's us. You and I choose that if we're going to trust God on, on the promises that he's made for us, and, and if that circumstance is going to change, that circumstance that the enemy has brought into your life, that circumstance that was brought into life because of sin coming in part, becoming part of the human experience, if that circumstance is going to change, it's not going to be because you stamp your feet and throw a tantrum. It's not going to be because you sit up all night and cry and wail out to God. It's going to change because you took the promises of God and said to the Father, Father, you said in your word, and you go and proceed and say what he said about that circumstance. Now what are you doing? You now become that bridge. You connect God. You connect his power. You connect his ability to that situation. Jesus, listen to this now expected the disciples to be the bridge between the power of God and that storm. Are you catching this? He expected them to make the connection. He expected them to say to that storm, be quiet, calm down. Jesus our Lord said, we're going to the other side. Guess what storm? Get out of the way. We're going to the other side. Are you catching this? But you know what most Christians do? God, you know, I don't know, it seems like, I don't know, it seemed like it was your idea to go to the other side, but you know, now, <laughs> now the devil's thrown a storm at me. That's what most Christians do. And they start whining about the storm, start complaining about the storm, call up 75 different people, do you know about the storm that's in my life? <laughs> Jesus said to him, what's the matter with you guys? Do you still have no faith? How many more things am I going to do? How much more bread am I going to multiply? How many people am I going to raise from the dead? How many cripples am I going to make walk? How many blind eyes am I going to open? How many deaf ears am I going to open before you guys start making the connection between what my Father in heaven has said and what that circumstance is representing? 
You have the ability. You have it in you. If you are born again, if you are a child of God, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the measure of faith that's required. Now go take that and work it. Stop letting the storms overtake you. Stop letting the devil have the final say. And worse yet, stop blaming God for the thing that the enemy's bringing into your life. And stop, stop being moved by everything that you see. Jesus made this promise. Either he lied or he told us the truth. He said to the disciples, the gates of hell shall not prevail over the church or against the church. Either he was telling us the truth or he was lying. I choose to believe he was telling us the truth. So stop looking at everything that's going on. There's smoke screens. Pay attention to go preach the gospel. Pay attention to the people in your life that are going to hell. Use your faith. God, give me an opportunity to speak to that person, that person, that person. Give me an opportunity to speak to these groups of individuals. Give me an opportunity to win my family to Christ. Give me an opportunity to get my job, everybody on my job, born again. How is it that you still have no faith, he said to them? How is it that if it wasn't for him in the boat, they would have drowned? They would have drowned. Make the connection between God and your circumstance. Be the bridge. And, and be the bridge in other people's lives. So this, you know, a lot of people don't know about this stuff. Most of the people in your life and my life don't know about this stuff. And so sometimes we need to be the bridge for them. Have compassion on people. Have mercy on people. Even when they look like they're just whacked out in their heads. Have mercy on people. Have compassion on people. P- people, look, you and I, before we came to Christ, all we knew was sin. Our very nature was sin. So why do we get surprised when people start acting out of their nature? No more than we should get surprised when a Christian believes God and sees victory in their life. Amen. When a Christian believes God, and praise a prayer of faith. In other words, a prayer that's based on the promises that God has already made. And we see victory. That is just a Christian operating in their nature. When a sinner, when a person who doesn't know Christ, when a person has no connection to God or to his promises, starts walking things out and just starts doing crazy stuff and evil stuff and and just hateful stuff, It's just that person walking out in their nature. Don't worry about that. Be concerned. How can I pray for this individual to totally change? How can their eyes be opened? How can they come into, how can they have a thirst and a desire to have a relationship with God in heaven so that that nature changes? It's not the conduct you need to be concerned about. It is the nature of the individual that is bringing it to pass. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus expects us to operate in faith. Now watch this. Again, I said this last night, in Saturday night service. I cannot assume that everyone that's in this crowd this morning, that we're all on the same page yet. And I know there are many of you that have come from many different backgrounds. Some of you, most of you completely unchurched, some of you have come out of, out of different denominations or different traditions in Christianity. And look, I'm going to be the first one to admit, there's a lot of trash that was taught for many hundreds of years. 
There's a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of religious tradition that has nullified the power of God and the word of God. And so I can't assume that everybody is coming from the same viewpoint. But there are some very basic things that the word of God calls must believes. Could you say that with me? Must believes. Turn to somebody and say, there are certain things that we must believe. Could I please have Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6? Now watch this now. I want you to follow me step by step. But listen, to those of you that come out of the same background that I do, please resist the temptation to go, oh, I've heard this, this scripture taught so many times. You didn't hear it in the season of life that you're in now. Okay, because the word of God is alive. It's active. It's responsive to the season of life that you're in. So some scripture that you might have known 10 years ago and meant something to you then, in this season of life, all of a sudden goes, boom, and just comes to life again in a very different way. What's more clear understanding? Now watch this. And without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please God. Well, Adam and Eve proved that. When they decide, see, the whole thing with Adam and Eve has nothing to do with eating an apple. It had to do with this, that Adam and Eve took the faith and the trust and the confidence that they had in God, they took it from him, and they placed it in the lies of the devil. When they did that, do you think God was pleased? Absolutely not. Now, he didn't destroy them. Thank God he doesn't destroy you and me when we displease him. But the fact is, it didn't please him. Why? Because it wasn't an act of faith. When they turned from the Father and they took the confidence they had in his word and placed it in the lies of the devil, they displeased the Father. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Okay, another translation says, must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Give me the King James. We're going old school with this scripture. I want you to see something here. There are some must-believes. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And I want you to read the rest of this with me. Ready? One, two, three. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One of the things that you and I must believe, and we must believe that firmly, and it must be entrenched in our heart, is that he is a rewarder. Because religion has robbed this truth from people in churches for hundreds of years. That God is just this angry old man, he's sitting up there in heaven, he's got a thunderbolt in one hand and a baseball bat in the other, and he's just waiting to see how miserable he can make life to see, are you going to stick with him until the end? Well, that, see, that kind of mindset does not sound like abundant life. That kind of mindset to me sounds like it stinks of religion. It stinks of control. It stinks of manipulation. It stinks of guilt and condemnation. And we don't find that in the scriptures. He is a what? Rewarder. So, so let me explain it to you this way. Maybe we'll understand it better. I put my faith in the word of God that what it's telling me about Jesus is true. So I act in accordance of my faith. I'm going to talk about this in the future, how faith is released 
through words and action. We could say we have faith, but if we're saying we have faith and we're talking doubt, we don't have faith. If we're saying we have faith, but we're not taking the actions that match up to faith, we're not in faith. Okay, but that's a whole nother teaching. Now, when I decided in my heart, when I, let me put it this way, when I weighed all the evidence of the scriptures, and when I weighed all the evidence of, of lives that I had seen change drastically, I came to the conclusion that what the Gospels say and what the New Testament says about Jesus was true. Based on that, I said with my mouth, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you did die on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you raised from the dead. I believe that you're alive. Watch this now. What did I do? I acted on the faith that had been developed in my heart, yes? Now, could you put that scripture back up there again, please? Watch this now. I had to believe that he is, but then I found out that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So watch this now, because this maybe you'll get it clearer this way. So the reward for my faith was salvation. You got it? It's a reward. And some of you look at me like, it's a reward, a reward. He says, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's saying it within the context of faith. So, so now, when I get an attack of, of my health, and I go to the doctor and he gives me a bad report, and I go into the word of God and I start seeing it, Exodus chapter 15, he said he's the God who heals me. In Isaiah 53, he said that by the wounds that Jesus suffered, I am healed. Matthew chapter eight tells me that based on Isaiah 53, Jesus healed all these people that came to him. When, when I come then and study all this, then I come to the conclusion that he is my healer. So when I put my faith in the fact that no matter what it looks like in the natural, no matter what pains or aches and condition I have, I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt, that by his stripes I am healed, what is the reward for my faith? Healing. When I'm suffering lack in the area of finances, and I go and study the scriptures and find out that he revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, the one who possesses everything, and if, he doesn't, if it's not there, if you need it, he'll make it. And, and, and then when he says in his word, you know, through different people throughout there, that he's going to supply all of our needs, that he delights in the prosperity of his servants, that he's the one who's, who's going to take care of us. Jesus said, you know, not to worry about this, not to worry about that, because your father knows everything you need. So based on all of this accumulated information, when my heart comes to the conclusion, oh, it's true that he's going to provide my needs, and I start speaking that and start trusting him, what is the reward for my faith? Prosperity. Are you catching this? When I have fear, and I start going in all the scriptures, and I start realizing, no, 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 fear does not come from God. In fact, the very first time fear came out of the mouth of a human being was after sin came into this world. Then I start coming to the conclusion, oh, no, no, he's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And so what is my reward for having faith in him along these lines? Peace. Are you catching this? Do you see now why God says over and over again, my just ones shall live by their faith? Are you catching this? It's extremely important for you and I to operate in faith.
Faith, again, is gonna be the bridge that connects God to your circumstance. My speaking, what God says, allows God and gives God the permission to come involve himself in that situation. Until I do that, he does not have, now I know this is gonna strike some people strange, but listen to me closely. God is love. Love does not invade anybody's life that does not want him there. Love does not overrule someone's will. Love respects, love maintains dignity. Love waits to be invited into this situation. This is how you know if the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something or if the spirit of the enemy is driving you to do something. The Holy Spirit coaxes us. The Holy Spirit invites us. The Holy Spirit very gently draws us. The spirit of the devil, the devil himself drives you and will use guilt and condemnation and pressure, peer pressure, all control, manipulation to get you to do things that by nature you shouldn't want to do. Are you catching this? This is important stuff because this is where we live every day. Every day you and I have the opportunity whether we're gonna walk in faith or we're just gonna walk in doubt and unbelief. If we're gonna stand up and allow God to be connected to that situation or if we're just gonna let that situation overcome us and overwhelm us. The truth is, you and I are the ones who are in control. Jesus, don't ever forget this, Jesus had an expectation that the disciples would use their faith to calm that storm. He has had the same expectation for all of us. He's expecting you and he's expecting me to use our faith to overcome. Amen? Amen. Can I just throw this last thing out at you? I don't know, maybe it's me, I think weird sometimes. I think one of the main reasons why God wants us human beings who are filled with the Holy Spirit to use our faith to overcome the devil is because how humiliating is it for the devil when a flesh and bone and blood human being who lives in a mortal body has more power than he has. See, it's one thing of God, that's why God had to come as a man. It's one thing of God Almighty himself and all this supernatural power, lightning and thunderbolts and clouds and all this stuff shows up and just says to the devil, stop it. But when a human being says, oh no, no, in the name of Jesus, you stop that now. And he has to listen. How humiliating is that to the devil? Amen. That's why you and I need to use the authority he's given us. We need to speak in faith. We need to trust God. We need to operate in faith. And we need to connect our God and his promises to that situation. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.